0: Welcome to the Unburden Your Business podcast, where we talk about everything business while giving you tactical tips, tricks, and tools to help you be intentional, create strategies, and take immediate action so that you, too, can have a life of time and financial freedom. I'm your host, Cassidy Arbelli, and I am so happy that you're here. Let's get to today's episode. I wanted to to kind of bring you on because I know you've kind of chatted either in groups or other people have talked about you kind of having this ability to hire on and recruit and develop kind of like this younger generation and like how that's been going. And so that's what I really want to kind of dive into and learn more about for me, but also like obviously (laughs) to the audience that, you know, is listening and um, are struggling. I think it's one of the biggest struggles that we have is trying to recruit and find people. So tell me about your agency, like where did this kind of start and what do you think is working for you.
1: My agency's I mean, we launched in 2016 as an independent agency. I was a I was a captive agent prior to that, but that was kind of the model that we had set up originally, knowing that we wanted to bring new, young, raw talent into the industry. And so we launched with that in mind and how do we recruit and develop and train this new talent that's coming in. It wasn't based off of like the crusty old man, we don't want them in our agency. It was more just seeing that the insurance industry in general was you know, predominantly male and predominantly
0: an older generation, mm-hmm.
1: exciting to me to bring that new life into the into the industry that has done so well for me. So I got into the industry when I was 19. Somebody took a chance on me, said they were taking a chance on me being 19. And it's kind of that pay it forward mentality of now that person took a chance on me at 19. And I I owe it back to the industry to to do the same thing. Okay, love that. So How did you start?
0: I mean, luckily, you kind of got to look at your own experience. And when you talk to people that you're recruiting and things, you're like, hey, I went through this, I can tell you my experience. So you relate to them in that sense. But like, where did you start? Where did you start posting and recruiting and like figure out the best way to interview and filter through candidates and attract people to even apply? Because I know that's, that's a hard thing.
1: So from a recruiting standpoint, we haven't, we've been lucky enough not to have to use any like Indeed or any recruiting platform. So everything that we have done has been putting out there what we're looking for, right? And so letting your team know, letting your social media know, and letting your center of influence know exactly what you're looking for and why you're looking for that, right? And so I think that's a, a big deal when you're bringing The younger generation in is that they want to understand why them right why they're the the target market for you to interview um and also what is the what's the impact that they can make what's the difference that they can make in this industry and so it's important to get your your team on board your your coi whoever you're going to be asking um, exactly why you're looking for that person uh, so that you're attracting the right talent that you're looking for. And, and for us, it was, it was people new to the business. It was people that were, that are, are raw, both in the service. So everybody on my, my team is young, um, and new, new to the industry. That's where we started. And that's what's continuously worked for us, you know, to grow our team to just over 20. Okay. So, which is amazing. Holy moly.
0: I feel like I would literally just be doing like human resources all day if I had a (laughs) team of 20, which is crazy, which is great to understand that that's even possible for someone, of course. So when it came to starting to recruit, what kind of things did you realize that, you know, maybe quote unquote, this younger generation, people that you're trying to attract, what are the things that you feel like were the most important to them? that you had to sort of bring to the table, either guarantee
1: them or promise them or work to ensure that they get these things? No, that's a good question. So looking at it from a perspective through the lens of, you know, is it just income? What, what motivates somebody in that younger generation to join in. And income is definitely a piece. Income earning potential is is more of a piece, right? So not necessarily what they're going to make today, but what they're going to make in the long run and and painting that picture for them. So being good at p- being able to paint the picture of this industry, right? The sexy side of this industry, which is residual income. Being able to to successfully paint that picture. The next is that a lot of the younger generation, they want to know that they're making an impact. They want to know that the work they're doing is is meaningful and making an impact. And so Uh, the education piece on what we do and the impact that it makes on the on the lives that we work with and giving some of those why buy stories that because I've been in the industry for 15 years I've had right some of the tragic accidents tragic losses and and really putting that tangible side to an intangible industry and then the other part is is You know, flexibility, time off, having—I mean—that is for sure the uh, number one reason I would say that people join our team because of the flexibility, just the full autonomy of their own schedule, regardless of what role that they're in. This is going to be a question people are like, "Well, how do you do that? How do you ensure that
0: there's still people in your business that are going to run the things that you need to run if you're allowing them to have a little bit more of a flexible schedule?" and You know, I have this ability, luckily, I think after so many years, we figured out what needs to happen at a minimum operationally, but like, how do you ensure that that gets done?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just really letting go a little bit of understanding what they're doing at any given time. When I feel like for me onboarding, we've always been that way. We've always been an unlimited PTO relaxed time. And so just onboarding with the mentality of I track tasks and not time. So as long as I can see that your tasks are being done and then we're not going to have an issue. We're not going to have a conversation. I want you to go and be in your kid's class and be able to go to all of your kids' sporting things or whatever it is that's important to them. As long as I don't see your tasks fall, time is never going to be in question. Yeah. And that. that's that's what's worked well for us.
0: It's funny because one of my team members saw this article, it says four day work week or something. And she tagged me on social and she's like, Hey, what do you think? Could we do this? And I go, I don't pay you per hour. I pay you for results. And if you get those results in four hours a week, if you get it sitting on the shitter, like I don't (laughs) care. Right. Like, that's what I pay you for at the end of the day. So if you can get good enough to get it done sooner and faster, great. If it takes you longer than a 40 hour work week, you know, I'll work with you and figure out how to support you and get it down to what you need it to be. But I 100% agree that that's what it needs to be about. And I think in today's world and all the things that we've gone through in the last couple of years of being able to work remote and all of these things, I definitely think that that's something that everyone's looking for no matter age. However, the younger generation, it's like something they grew up with kind of knowing and feeling. And so um, definitely understand that. So how would you say, we'll talk about onboarding too, because I love that you brought that up. What would you say is like your turnover rate or retention rate? Because I know that's another thing, not necessarily an objection or an excuse, but that's something that people deal with when they try to work with kind of. Someone who's a little bit younger that maybe is just starting out a new career, like you were just saying, maybe doesn't always know what they want to do. And you know, at that age, when I was that age, I had all kinds of things that I was trying. And so it's a little bit harder for them maybe to stay stable. What would you say your retention looks like, or what ways can people
1: do a better job at retaining and not having so much turnover? Yeah. So um, our retention is really great. So we've we've only lost two people ever. And one was after having been with us for five years and after having a baby decided to, you know, stay home and, and whatnot. And, um, and the other one was the only experienced salesperson that we have hired. (laughs) And so that actually did not work out well for us. Uh, So this model has continuously worked well, but it, it really is having the opportunity for growth. And so if bringing someone on initially is, there's a, there's an art and setting expectations, but then having regular conversations with them at least twice a week, a year saying, where do you want to go? What, like, where do you see yourself in five years in the agency? What, what seat on the bus do you want to be? Because the reason that people leave is typically because they feel unheard. They feel like there's no growth and they see where they want to go and they don't see a right, like a track to getting there. And so just having those conversations of where do you see yourself and let's put together a roadmap on how to get there. Because if not, they're going to go find another agency or another career that they do have a career path and a track to follow.
0: Yeah, I talk about this all the time. I Say you have to know what your team wants for their life and help them facilitate that. And when you can do that and they see the connection between getting the life that they want and working within your business or company, they're not going to have reasons to leave. They're going to have more reasons to push harder and challenge themselves and want to grow. And especially you showing up as a leader and saying, hey, I'm here for you let me also be an example. You're supposed to lead the team. You're not just there to manage them. So I agree hundred percent. Talk to me about setting those
1: expectations. What does that look like? Setting expectations when we originally bring them on? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really just outlining exactly time management, right? Talking about tasks and not time, talking about the residual income and, and the expectations from a salesperson, right? Talking about, why why this industry is sexy, right? And we can go over that a little bit. How do you make this unique industry look look sexy to a new young recruit? Um, I'm in Seattle, so I got tech and I got a lot competing with me. And um, but the other would be I set a lot of expectations, but I encourage every single person that I interview to call and and at random, go to our website, call someone on our team, ask them questions that you may not ask me, or um, have we lived up to the expectations of time management and flexible schedule and supporting you and in your business and your life and, and whatnot. And so I do think opening that that door and making that an, like an expectation for me in an interview, if I give them that opportunity and say, I want you to call anyone on our team and I want you to go through exactly what they love, what they've, what they've struggled with. If they don't call, I typically won't hire them. If somebody on our team hasn't said, Hey, so-and-so has called me and reached out and wanted to get, you know, a lay of the land on, on our agency. And, you know, do we really live up to Uh, So that's kind of an onboarding piece for me and an expectation that I, that I hold. I don't tell them that I hold it against them, but I do. Getting them to uh, jump through some hoops to also make
0: sure they're really interested and passionate. They're going to show up and not just like having this interview and then, you know, also going with your gut. Maybe you really like somebody when you're interviewing them, but really kind of doing something, some type of call to action to ensure that they're going to show up as well, I think is super important when you're recruiting whatever that looks like it could even be to send me something by email like something really small where it's like check how they're writing in the the subject line what does the signature look like do they you know are they writing this in a way that seems somewhat professional like even something that small and then them doing it in a timely manner and getting that to you shows that they're interested and that they're willing to do what it's going to take for the most part I think that's important. But I love that having them, you know, talk to your team members. I usually have a second interview where they sit with my team because if they don't get along with my team, my team will eat them alive. So that has become part of our onboarding and kind of recruiting process. When my team loves them and I love them, then I know like we're, we're going to be okay. Um, so I really, really love that you kind of challenge them to do that and then use that as an indication of are they how serious? passionate they might be and really want this one of my team members that I interviewed um, my last hire I have not hired in over three years and I'm actually in the process of looking for somebody else but we have a very small team we've kind of always gone through this kind of like theme of trying to be as lean as possible and we're able to accomplish so much with less people but I definitely think we're at the point now that like we've almost perfected so much that if we're ready to level up to the next level, we've got to start growing our team. So love this conversation now in general, just to get me back into the whole recruiting mode, especially after everything that's gone on and people just saying how much they're struggling with, but she interviewed and after she interviewed, she also interviewed my team and whatnot, but then she sent me this letter by email. She sent me this email, kind of this letter and that is 100% what got me sold on her. Just like how excited she was to have conversations she, with me. She pinpointed a few things we talked about, like really went into detail about how she thinks she can show up. And it, I was sold, right? It was just yeah. this extra little thing that made her different that she took initiative on. And um, I think that's really special. So, and she's been yeah, with I mean, us ever since. Have, we love
1: it. <laughs> I have a lot of people that ask me all the time, like, You're hiring the younger generation, you're hiring the millennials, like how do you get away from them being entitled and not showing up? That was a question I had. And I don't I don't deal with that issue. I don't deal with those issues at all. Um, but I think it is, you know, being aware and and setting your own expectations in the hiring, right? If Mm -hmm. if you expect that the person that you hire does that one extra thing. To that you don't feel like you're chasing them, but they're chasing the opportunity, and they do that one extra thing. They call your team, they send you that additional email. Um, it definitely helps with uh, with that. But I just, I and I purely contribute that to the the entitled or the challenges with time. I purely contribute it to the open the open schedule. That- you come up and kind of give them the things that you
0: understand that maybe that generation or that age group right now is looking for and being able to do that, but also saying, okay, I've provided this. Here's what I expect from you. And these are the results that you own that you need to produce in order to continue staying in this opportunity and grow within it and be able to achieve the things that you want to achieve. You have to get those things done and the expectations super clear. Well I I mean
1: agency owners a lot of us say and I and I don't know if you said it, but I've definitely said it like couldn't go back to a nine to five job I couldn't go back to that schedule and if I reflect on it and say I couldn't do that I couldn't go back to the nine to five most of my most of my team members have young kids and I couldn't do it from I wouldn't want to and I really couldn't right with my with four young kids and so why would I say that and be like I can't go back to that nine to five schedule and ever as an agency owner but then also think that my team would want to be on that same set nine to five schedule, right? Where they have no flexibility. And so if if you don't want that and, but you're you're anticipating and expecting your team members to do that, you're not going to retain the millennial generation well at all. And I think just bringing that too, especially, I mean, we can talk about the makeup
0: of what your team is, but most of my team members are the breadwinners. They are more female. They are um, the ones that kind of make the choices and handle all the things. And even, and some of them are younger, some of them are older, but regardless of where you are in your life, if you're a parent or you have different things that you enjoy trying to get that life work integration, balance, whatever you want to call it. We all want that. I think Mm -hmm. no matter what age you're at and no matter where you are in your life, And I think that's really special. And obviously you, again, are tapping back into your own experience and things that you want and realizing I'm the leader, I'm the CEO of this agency and this business. And if this is a value that's important to me, I want to attract people who have these same values. And we can't teach somebody how to be in good character. We can't teach somebody how to have great work ethic. We can't teach somebody how to have these beliefs and values that align with us in our business. But we can teach... How to sell different skill sets like that and train them. So, let's talk about like your onboarding process and that training process because you bring people in from outside of the industry, which I 100% agree on. Yes, sometimes you might find that special person who's been licensed that can just come in and plug and play, but for the most part, we learn they come with some habits that are probably not going to align with what we're doing. And, you know, that just has this ego issue, which I think is worse than entitlement sometimes. Um, talk to me about how you get them trained and set up and what that timeline looks like, because it can take some time.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's two totally separate onboarding, right. From whether you're bringing them into a service role or a producing role. Mm -hmm. And so from a, do you have a preference of what one you want to talk about? You can do sales if you want. It doesn't matter, but just an idea from, from a producing role, obviously it's getting them out of the gate running. Most people that, are coming into this industry that we're bringing in have no knowledge of insurance. I, I have a firm belief that if you put if you put um, technology and you put, product and understanding above marketing and sales that your sales team and your producers will always put product and understanding and learning technology and learning the platforms over sales. And that's not what we want. We want them out selling. We don't want them to understand every carrier we have and all of their underwriting guidelines and, and whatnot. And so onboarding them with, I'm not going to teach you. We don't have this robust training program that I'm going to teach you how to grow book a book of business. I'm going to teach you how to market. I'm going to teach you how to sell, develop, center of influence. We do just-in-time learning. And the onboarding processes and the expectations that are set are set with that. So you will learn when you have a live client And you have a carrier that is ready to go. I'm not going to create a bunch of fake accounts and have you run fake scenarios. You will learn a carrier when you need to. And if you're five years in and you haven't worked with Foremost and you don't understand their platform, I mean, you'll learn it when you need
0: it. Yeah. It's such a waste of time. You don't even know if this person can perform and now you're going to train them on all these things. And it's like, I don't even know if they can go shake somebody's hand and not completely crumble in fear, right? Like I need to know that they can do this skill because the other thing too, and I'm sure this is similar to your situation. I don't know, but like I have people in the building that can help and support and get those policies quoted and bound and written if necessary. And then we can go back and show them what was done or do it with them or whatever that looks like. So that kind of just in time training. I'm more concerned in the beginning. Can you sell? Can you build relationships? Can you go out and talk about what we do, what you do, why it's important to work with us? All of those things, because those things I think are going to make you successful. You can always learn the tech. You can always learn all the rules and all the things, and it's never ending. You're always learning in this industry. There's new carriers. There's new things. Yep. We have carriers that it come is. in, come out,
1: like they don't even know what. Yeah, do, and what I they think they that. Want, so. That's a huge thing when I talk to other individuals, other agency owners about onboarding and bringing on is they're so worried about the time commitment of training these individuals on underwriting guidelines and product and agents, you know, and I, I just don't worry about that because i I'll worry about that training when, yeah, when they have bring me a lead. Bring yeah. me someone writing. so um, so the onboarding really is we have. We have two blitz, we call them referral blitz processes. And so those are uh, blitzing their friends, family, COI, Um, And it's not to go out and quote, because we all know that your friends and family are what are going to get you through the first year of the industry, but it's your center of influence and your referral partners that are going to get you through the rest of your career. And so you have to have a blend of building both of those in your first year. Um, But that referral blitz meeting is not coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to reach out to every person I know and ask them to quote their policies. You're going to burn through that list real fast.
0: And you're going to, I do feel like you get discouraged too, because I think, that selling to friends and family is one of the hardest sales so hard especially when you're starting something new maybe you're younger right so your friends and family are like oh this is just something they're trying or dabbling in or they I need they to see if they're going to speak around
1: before I'm going to, yeah. the process that we take is not to quote their business, but taking an education standpoint of I've identified you as somebody in my life who can make a huge impact on my business. And I'd like to take some time to sit down with you and go over the work that I've chosen, the co- why i chosen to partner with the company that I did and the work that we're doing for clients and see who, you know, from both referral, from right, a COI standpoint and a client standpoint that can benefit from the work that we're doing. So you're actually not talking to them about their personal situation at all. And you're the entire meeting is about gaining as many referrals as you can. Um, so we require that you hold 50 Blitz meetings in your first three months.
0: And how long, like when you say Blitz meetings, it means the actual contacting and
1: outreaching. The actual hold- held meetings. So you may have to call... 200 people to get 50 blitz meetings on for them to actually meet with you and actually give you the at bat to walk through and gather as many referrals as you can, because like I said, you can burn through your top 50 list really fast in this industry, 50 clients in, in insurance we all know is not a lot. Yeah. Right. Where in a real right in real estate or some of the other industries. So, you know, Yeah, you can make a lot more money off one person, but we make
0: that money residually. So in so you have to have a huge
1: database, and so it's really focusing your first three months on building your huge database uh, from tapping into your network and not quoting them, but tapping into their networks. Yeah, and and
0: for those that are listening, COI Center of Influence. Just in case you didn't know what that was, you said you haven't had a lot of turnover, so. What type of things do you do to support them when they're making these calls and they're reaching out and they're just not getting the result? We
1: have a... So that's the process that we train on, right? So we have a script. We have exactly... Uh, set up what they're going to say, how many calls, right? And and yeah, there are going to be some discouraging days and usually calling in somebody on the team who has been through that process and can walk them through the success stories that they've had, uh, or somebody that maybe four years in and can say, you know what, I've gone back in I have a I have a girl that she's like, I've gone back and re-blitzed my clients three times now at, in six years because I've I've done a shift in my business. She just originally shifted her business to the affluent market and only working in the high networks where space. So she went back and re-blitzed her friends, family, and COI, letting them know, like, this is what I'm doing. This is where I've shifted my business and who do yeah. you know in this criteria, right? Because it's very different when you're first getting in. You don't really know what you're asking for. Going back and being able to talk to other people on the team that, that have had success and understanding that those this isn't just for the first three months. This, these calls that you're making, they will come and they will impact your business for the rest of your career. And I love that you call it a
0: business because I've always told my team, you're a micro business within this business. Like you need to think of it that way. Each and every one of them has branded themselves a different, a different way while still aligning with our kind of overarching umbrella brand, whatever you want to call it. That's what makes them unique. That's what gets them the type of referrals and the business that they get. I've always kind of gotten that instilled in them that you are a micro brand. You are a micro business. Figure out, like you were just mentioning, she kind of even niched down a little bit more in a particular particular sector of what products and services she can offer that align with her more now that she's more affluent about what that particular thing is and going back and not being afraid to articulate to people like this is what I'm doing now this is why it's important and those people that understand what she's talking about are going to be attracted to her because she's speaking specifically to them And asking for that business where someone else is like, I sell everything, I sell insurance, like everyone else does on, you know, there's like 20 of you on this main street, I can go to what makes you different. And so each of them have something unique about them where they can show up authentically, be who they want to be, be able to work within your business, be able to build their own business underneath. That's, that's what I think is amazing. And and you talk about that, you brand yourself that way. And so they never even think about just kind of being that employee. And then the entitlement might even go away, right? They're taking ownership. So a lot of that gets solved with the way that you are showing up and describing exactly what this opportunity is and them taking that and doing the best they can with it.
1: Yeah. And I think that um, there is an art. So going on to what you were saying on, you know, if they are coming in discouraged, if, if they feel like they're on an Island, that's when they're going to leave. And so we have weekly sales calls. They're expected to bring their triumphs and challenges, right? And so these are the, even in their, they're in their early blitz phase, everybody on our team has been there. Everybody has gone through that stage. And so, you know, what? here's some wins that I had, and here's some issues that I've had. I went on five blitz meetings and I only got three referrals, leaning on the other people that are the team that are not just me and them saying, you know what? I had a phase like that too. Let's go through and see how you're asking for the referral. Are you doing a targeted ask? Are you specifically going into the meeting prepared for doing research and knowing what you're going to ask for? But I do think it's very important for any salesperson when they're starting uh, to know that they are not on an island and that other people have been there and that they have the support of the other people of your team the expectation of joint work and that's one of the funnels that they're required to fill is that joint work funnel which is bringing in a senior senior producer to to work with them on a on a complex case i was going to
0: ask you to just like in regards to environment what is your like office setup what do you try to do to continue to cultivate that kind of not on an island team aspect in your physical environment, or like you said, you kind of do certain meetings where you bring in all the things, bringing in a senior producer. Talk to me about kind of that environment, that culture. So,
1: my team is fully remote. We always have been. Uh, we do have physical office locations, but they're spread out across seven different states. And so, my team is spread out all over the place. And so, it really is just utilizing Zoom and virtual technology. And we have a constant chat that, that's Always going, whether it's text or just a Google Chat of the challenges, the excitements, and it's always going. I have to turn the notifications off because it's like ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And so, just having, feeling like you have access to to the group, to everybody on the team at any given time, and onboarding them. Going back to onboarding and expectations, I set an expectation that I want to, I want you to chat, like be involved, right? I want to see your name pop up on the chat at least once a day. Make a point to, I don't care what you say, just make a comment once a day um, until you feel like you're fully ingrained, right? And I think that it's when they're new to the team and there is such a tight camaraderie within the group, it's hard to make that initial, you know, step in and make that initial. So setting the expectation of like that's that's something else you're required to do, right? Is just start asking questions to the chat or start commenting on things. And because it's banter back and forth, some of it's a lot of it's not insurance related at all. Right. And so just inserting yourself in, I don't care what that comment is, if it's personal work, whatever. Um, as just long engage as you and, yep. and show
0: up and participate. Yeah. I think that's huge. Talk to me about so you've kind of given us a little bit of information in regards to your agency and what that looks like and your team size and the expectations and training and stuff. How do you, how did you, or if this has changed, set up the compensation and how do you feel like that helps attract them? We talked about them building their own business and getting residual income. So I'm assuming you do help, you do allow them to kind of build your own their own book and have ownership in that but how do you set up kind of the compensation and make
1: that attractive to them? You don't pay a huge salary, right? And so we do set it up on a draw and okay. it is a, it, it's about a four-year draw. So we withhold new business and renewal commissions until their draw is paid back. Uh, their draw is increasing based off of their production. And so it's not just levelized. Uh, so it does go up year after year and it takes about four years before we you know, before they really start paying that drop back, but it, it seems to be a good model. It's not about the, to me, it's not about what you can pay them to bring them on. You know, you have to onboard them with, sometimes you've got to take a step backwards to move forwards. And a lot of people that are genuinely interested in this industry Um, And this is a key component because we're constantly losing to mortgage lenders, real estate agents, and they're going that avenue because of the sexy side of it, right? And so my challenge to them is if they are considering going into this financial services realm that would be insurance, real estate, financial advising, mortgage, whatever piece they're looking at. I'm sure you have also heard this from any of your other COIs that are real estate or mortgage or in that industry. Somebody has said to you, or multiple people have said to you, you know what, if I would have done this different, I would have gone into insurance when I first started because of the residual income.
0: It's it's such a grind. I mean, we still have the daily things that tend to feel like a grind and we're repeating the same tests all the time, but- there's so much more potential. It's so stable. It's yeah. And the stability, stability step of it way for a while and come back and not have your business completely fall apart. You can delegate and you can, I mean, there's just so many things where like as a real estate agent, it's harder to do that, right? You have the license, you have to be able to do certain things. So you're using your own time and you can't maximize on the ability to really build freedom in a lot yeah. of ways. And that time as well, like you're saying, and the Potential the income is unlimited, just like in other industries. We just I feel like we have to work harder in the beginning, and then it sort of stabilizes. And you can stay there if you'd like to, if you're comfortable, and just maintain, or you can keep scaling until your heart's desire. That's what's amazing about
1: that's that's the key, right? Though that if if you can do a good job in bringing new salespeople on, and you really paint the picture of you can work really hard for three to five years, and honestly could coast the rest of your career, or, or you said continue working. But if you can paint that picture where um, it allows you to work, there's really not another industry um, that you can do that, right, that you can work really, really hard for three, five, seven years. And then, you know, you're able to coast, you're able to have residual income, and you're able to not go through the ups and downs uh that mortgage, you know, mortgage lenders are going through that COVID. Right I mean just the whole right thing that to happened. And I mean, so yeah, lenders went up
0: and now they're all complaining and, you know, um, People got into real or left real estate right when COVID hit and it was like a huge mistake or, you know, just got into it and they just happened to ride this amazing wave, which we have things like that too in our industry. Like we'll have certain areas that have increases,
1: decreases or whatever, but for the most part, it's pretty stable. Yeah, so the stability is what makes it sexy, right? So if you're, if you as an agency owner, if you're recruiting and you're not talking about the residual income and you're not talking about what life looks like, 10 years down the road and you're not painting that picture of flexibility and of schedule and income and and whatnot then you're recruiting wrong because know I, I don't no think way most people do that though no. i don't think and most there's no way to compete offer it. it if they're looking at mortgage and real estate there's no way to compete because our commissions are they they don't they they don't stack up right to not those, in the beginning no not in the beginning and so if you're not painting that picture you're gonna lose out to those industries and same as calling to if i have an incline the inclination that they are um that they're looking at other industries i will do the same thing as asking them to call my team i'll say hey i just encourage you to call a good friend that's a real estate agent, call a good friend that's a mortgage lender and have a conversation with them about what they think about you potentially going into insurance over real estate. And I'll be, I already know what it's going to be most of the time. And they will usually say, I wish I would have done it. Yeah. um, How long
0: have you been doing it? What are you still doing day to day? How has this changed for you over time? I was actually just um, out of town with a, with my family and with friends. And we were talking to somebody who's a car salesman and he had been with Mercedes for a really long time and ended up growing this huge clientele of like 300 people in our city who are constantly buying from him solely, which is huge. But like, he only gets two days off a week. He works 10 AM to 7 PM every single day. And if he just stops, he stops. He may have great friendships and people maybe he can take with him to some other business he's doing with this 300, you know, center of influence, UI, um, or relationships. But like, how far is that going to get him? And I just was thinking to myself, wow, like that sucks. You yeah. know, you may make I a mean, lot that's of money a really selling great cars, point but- If
1: you're not, not only focusing on, you just got to get away from focusing on the money, right? Yeah. It has to be on the money today right so if if you're recruiting on money that you can make when you get into this industry you're gonna lose on money and so if you're recruiting to the lifestyle exactly that right you get into real estate and you are going to be working nights and weekends and if that's if that's okay with you and 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 that's then that maybe is a great indicator that that's the direction you should go but if you're purely following the commissions and you're not looking at the lifestyle and the schedule then let's take a step back and look at something else that still allows you to be involved in real estate transactions and and whatnot so what what are they finding sexy about those other industries and you you should be able to find a way to make insurance sexy right from what what they value
0: i you know just sitting there having this conversation with this person this weekend I was so grateful in that moment too, to say, I haven't touched my phone in three days. I have not been my, in my office. I have not had to worry. We were still making money. My checks are still coming in. Like, and it was just such a great feeling to be like, wow, like this is amazing. Even if I don't think it's sex as sexy as selling. I mean, he's selling girls' voices now, which is very sexy to me. Right. I was like, geez, but like in the back of my mind, I'm like, I have it so much better. I'm just grateful that this is what I was able to to create for my own life and also for my team. And then being able to have that opportunity and especially like think of even just like a single mom who in five years could be in a totally different place. And we are able to provide that opportunity, I think is amazing. So um, I, I love it. I love the way that you have Thought outside the box, that is my favorite thing. You're not just here to copy what everyone else is doing in our industry and really thought to yourself, like, I need to have intention in what I'm doing and figuring out how to get that strategy together. But then really executing on how are we going to put this this plan into place and making sure people are held accountable, making sure there's expectation, making sure that the activity is there, and then probably tweaking along the way until you really found your groove is everything that I talk about, everything that I teach. I'm like, stop looking at your neighbor, go in, go inside, look in the mirror and decide exactly what it is that you want to bring to this industry, to your business, to your life, to how you impact the people that work with you, to how you impact your clients that you work with. Bring it from inside out because that's what's going to make the difference that makes you different from everyone else that's going to attract people, but also going to keep you in the game in the long run. If you're just constantly like baking it till you make it and trying to do what everyone else is doing, you're not going to be aligned authentically and it's just going to lead to burnout and you're not going to be able to say, okay, I know why I'm doing this, why I'm showing up and then go and do it without too much struggle.
1: Yeah. So I think and, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, leaning on... What you said, like, I know why I'm doing this and, you know, why I'm showing up and and whatnot. But if you don't, if you don't know, if you genuinely don't know why you're doing this and you can't articulate what, why you're passionate about this industry, why, like, why this industry, why, like, and you're not going to be able to bring new people in. And so if you're struggling, how are with they going to get passionate if you're not? Yeah, 100%. exactly. And so if, if you don't have that and you can't articulate it before you go and recruit and try to bring people in, whether it's current people in the industry or existing, people can tell if you're passionate, people can tell if you have a vision and can take people on that vision with you and so if you don't really take a look and be like do do you know why you're passionate about this and why somebody would want to join your team if you don't have that they're not going to so write it down take time to figure it out and then go recruit because you will fall, fall flat on your face if if you don't know that yourself
0: yeah or i always talk about the idea of like you're just building something And it's just going to end up being a result by default instead of really designing what you want your business to look like and your, your life to look like, like your business is meant to do, to, to be built, to do something that you want it to do for your life, as opposed to you constantly doing for your business. Otherwise you're just gonna be handcuffed to this thing that grew into this monster. Even if you're bringing in money, even if you are getting results, but they're not aligned to exactly what it is that you want in your life. And we all want different things. So if you don't take time to think about that and look at that you're going to end up with something that was not planned and probably not be happy even if you have money in the bank it doesn't matter and for me i know what it is and i also find out from each one of my team members what it is for them because it's different than what it is for me but i always make sure that our values and our beliefs and why we do what we do and our passion is aligned and then we get to do all the things we want to do in our life because of this so I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all your insight. You obviously are very confident in what you do. Have seen results. You can tell when you talk, it sounds sexy to me. So I'm like <laughs> she's doing the thing. So I love it. So thank you so much for coming. Will you please tell everyone where they can get a hold of you or
1: get in touch with you if they wanted to just chat? You can just look me up PCRG insurance and or you can email me Jessica at PCRG insurance. Probably the best way to to get a hold of me. Awesome. I'll make sure to link the below all the details to talk to Jessica. So thank you for
0: much for coming. I love this conversation. You've inspired me and got me, you know, my juices flowing to, to get back <laughs> into recruiting and not feeling as
1: uncomfortable as I was kind
0: of going back into this space. So Yeah. I mean, I know
1: it is a discouraging time right now and and I, I, I'm feeling it as well. So it's, you just have to change, change the way you're doing things a bit and you will have success. So thank you so much for having me. I have really enjoyed our conversation. Once again,
0: we have listened and we have heard you. We are so excited to announce that we started a monthly membership for fierce and ambitious female insurance agency owners called the collective We get together monthly to collectively mastermind and go through different topics about our business and lives and the things that we might struggle with and so creating that safe space for women to come together and directly share our experiences, learn, engage, and support each other as we grow our business. This is a really low investment to be able to get hot seat coaching from me. As well as tap into all the minds of women that are doing amazing things in the insurance industry. The biggest reason why you wanna be here is because I want you to have a voice, I want you to be heard, and I want you to be seen. So come find out more about joining the collective. It is $49 a month. I promise you, the value that is in this membership and this group is going to be off the charts. We will have a link in the show notes below for you to find out more.